So, it's good to be here. Good to celebrate the Lord with you this morning. This year, we've been talking about the concept of thriving and what it means to thrive in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? How does it play itself out? What attitudes do we need to work on? What kind of changes need to happen in our heart? Uh, but I'm finding that thriving is a, can be a hard concept, can it? Um, and I wondered, is there a biblical concept or a, a biblical passage that might help us deal with how to thrive in this world, how to work that into our lives? And I realized when God led me this passage of Scripture that it's not easy, okay? It's not easy to live the way God speaks to us in order to thrive. We want it easy, right? We want some magic wand to wave and make it all nice. It doesn't work that way. So we're going to look at one passage of Scripture in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, one verse. God used this verse to really speak to my heart many years ago, and he keeps using it over and over again to teach me even what it means to, to work out thriving in my life. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The context of the book, Paul is actually dealing with an issue with Peter. Peter had been struggling with, with uh, the peer pressure he'd had because he was caring for the Gentiles and the Jews showed up, kind of put pressure on him to, you know, to change things. And so Peter withdrew for a little while. And, and Paul's trying to encourage Peter in, 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 this, in this passage to say, look, Peter, you have to understand that you have died with Christ. It's not about you anymore, Peter. And Paul gives four things in this passage. We're going to look at what he says real quick here, then go into how those things play themselves out in our life. He says, first of all, I was crucified with Christ. Hear that? When Jesus went to that cross and was nailed there, somehow we were there, Paul says. We were crucified together with. That's what the Greek says. So we are connected with the death of Jesus. And Paul says, because we're connected with the death of Jesus, because we've died, I no longer live. Hear that? I no longer live. Me no longer lives. Myself no longer lives. Because we've been crucified with him, self should die. And he says, because of that, then Christ lives in me. Think about that. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you believe what we just shared in communion that Jesus gave his life for you, then you died with Christ on the cross. And Christ now lives in you. And Paul says, finally, the life I live, I live by faith in Jesus. It's not my life anymore. It's his life living out in me. And this is about thriving. Remember that. It's about letting Christ live out through us. And I thought, what happens, Jesus? If I really believe this, if I really put this into practice... What does that mean practically in my life? You guys have been around me long enough to know. After I look at Scripture, I wonder, how do I practically apply this? What is the Lord telling me? Well, I thought of Jesus and him going to the cross. And the first thing I thought about was, you know, he just had this attitude of acceptance. Remember when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? In Luke 22, verse 39, it says this, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives... His disciples followed him. On reaching that place, he said to them, Pray that you do not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, 
take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Hear that? Jesus went out there and he said, Lord, I really don't want to face this. But in other, in other words, it's, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. But it's not about my will. It's about your will. He, this is a prayer of acceptance. He says, Lord, I accept, Father. I accept what you're, what you're telling me to do. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I, I'm thrilled with it. But I accept it, Father, because it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. I think if we're going to thrive, if we're going to realize we've been crucified with Christ, it's about accepting, first of all, ourselves. Okay? Accept ourselves for who we are in Jesus Christ. You know who I am? I was a guy who was a sinner. I'd done a lot of things in rebellion against Jesus. And I can't say I'm happy about any of that stuff. But Jesus came into my life back when I was 17 years old and cleansed me and changed me and worked in my life. But you know, he wasn't done with me then. You know that? It's a continual work. I'm just a work in progress. And what the Lord has done in my life, he's beginning to peel away all the junk in my life, begin to show me who I really am. When I, was, when I was in high school, anybody see that picture somebody put on the Facebook this week? Of the basketball team? Yeah, I was 6'2 and weighed 140 pounds in that picture. I turned sideways and disappeared. My life was about basketball. That was my God. I mean, I'm from Indiana, right? That's, a, that, that's what you do. I got my identity from that. And as I, as, as I you know, became a Christian at the age of 17, God took that away from me at that point. Because he says, that can't be your God anymore. You've got to see yourself differently. You've got to accept yourself for the way I see you. You've been wounded by life. You've been beaten up here and twisted there and everything else. You have to see yourself as you really have to accept yourself who you are so I can begin to work in your life. And you can become the person I created you to be. So some of this acceptance, if I'm going to thrive, if I've been crucified with Christ, I have to see myself as I really am. See, that deals with pride. That deals with ego. Deals with how we think of ourselves. Right? And then if I've been crucified with Christ, it's not about my will, but His, then I can step into the world and whatever God allows to cross my path, I accept because somewhere God is in that. You know? If you're late for work and you don't want to miss another day because you can't afford it, you might get fired and you get, and you, and you get out there and you're driving along and all of a sudden you come up with two flat tires. Okay? Somewhere God is in that. Okay? He is. And that's what you accept. God, you're in this. I just want to find God in all this. I accept that. Because acceptance means I accept I've been crucified with Christ. I died. It's no longer about me. Whatever, whatever God allows to cross my path, I accept it. There was a 92-year-old, really petite lady. Her hair was always done beautifully every day. Her makeup, perfect. And she's legally blind. And she's going into a nursing home for the first time in life. The reason why is because her husband of 70 years had just died. 
And as she sat in this nursing home waiting room for about two or three hours waiting for her room to get ready, and when one of the workers came to get her, he began to describe to her the room. And she was taking her walker and going down the hallway, getting into an elevator. And she told this guy, she says, I love it. And he said, Mrs. Jones, you, you haven't seen the room yet. Listen to what she says. Happiness, she says, it doesn't have to do with seeing it. Happiness is something you decide on ahead of time. Whether I like my room or not doesn't depend on how the furniture is arranged. It depends on how my mind is arranged. And I've already decided to love it. It's a decision I make every morning when I wake up. I have a choice. I can spend the day in bed counting with difficulty of all the parts of my body that don't work or get out of a bed and be thankful to God for the ones that do. Each day is a gift. As long as my eyes open, I'll focus on the day and all the happy memories I've stored away just for this time in my life. Acceptance. She's got joy in the midst of acceptance. Make sense? So if I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, what does that mean? Number two, it means I live simply. My life is no longer about me. Who's my life about? Jesus, you got it, right? A for the day. My life is not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about what he wants to do in my heart. I stop looking at me. Now, let me tell you that's very hard. Okay? In my life, as I've walked with the Lord, you know, I feel like, oh, I finally dealt with that area of pride, Jesus. He says, yeah, I'm really proud of you, Mike. Now let's look at this. Oh, Lord. Another area? Oh, I love you so much. We've got to deal with this. Come on, this will be fun. Dr. James Mallory says this, from infancy on, we tend to put ourselves in the center of our world. We demand everything revolve around us, catering to our needs and our desires. The infant is direct, screaming, hollering, and kicking. But as adults, we become a little more subtle. We become very clever with how we do that. But it's the same screaming, hollering, and kicking that goes on. So if I were to analyze this whole thing, I would say this is what we say. I want to run my life on my terms. Sorry about that. I don't want anybody, including God, telling me to do otherwise. Right? I want to run my life on my terms, and God, you just be there because I need you every so often. I mean, it goes on every day, right? Think about it. When you pulled into the church parking lot this morning, whose parking place was you concerned about? When you walked into the sanctuary this morning, you'd say, boy, I hope Joe's not sitting in my seat today. Huh? You ever remember that old hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord? Have Thine Own Way. You are the potter, I'm the clay. I think we want to rewrite it this way. I'll have my own way, Lord. I'll have my own way. I'll be the potter. You be the clay. I'll mold you to make you after my will while you're waiting, yielded and still. See, we want to kind of remake God in who we want him to be. But if you're going to be crucified with Christ, you've got to let go of those ideas and let God be God. And when you let God be God, all of a sudden he reveals you things about him that you didn't really see and understand before. He is in control. And so we live simply. My life isn't about me. It's about God who's in control. It's about Jesus Christ, my relationship with him. 
And when you live simply, then, you know, God begins to work on your heart. Begins to have you look in your own heart and say, let's look, let's look in here, Mike. Let's just show you some things in here. And that's hard to do. We talked about this in Sunday school class this morning. It's hard to look within our own heart. Because all of a sudden, God shows us things in our hearts that we don't want to deal with. Places in our lives we've kind of hidden away. Places in our lives that kind of rear their head and say, Hey, look at me, you need to take care of this. So that's why the guy treats you that way. You're a failure, you're nobody, whatever. And God wants to deal with that. We're constantly turning our eyes on Jesus. And if I live simply, right, if I focus on Jesus, then I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to get up tight anymore. Don't worry about anything but everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We're going to read that scripture in just a minute. Right? I don't have to worry. I'm going to get up tight. Because if I believe God's in control, and if I've accepted what's going on in my life, and if I'm living simply about Jesus, I just enjoy the day and what he's doing. So if somebody steals your parking spot in the Walmart parking lot, praise God. women are battling in line at the Dallas, excuse me, at the Denver airport. They both got there about the same time. They sit their luggage down. They're going like this, trying to push their luggage ahead of the other one. And they're fighting for this place in line. Right? This one lady says, yesterday, she said, somebody got ahead of me at the gas station. I was bound to determine not to let that lady get in front of me at the line at the Denver airport. So we just about got the ticket counter. All of a sudden, this lady pops up and puts her luggage on the way, on the way thing there, you know. She says, I was, ang- I was fuming at her. So she walked off and got into the electronic surveillance thing. So I was just, you know, giving her one of those looks like, could kill. You've never done that, have you? And she says, as I turned to go through that, a lady I knew said, what in the world are you thinking about? This other lady said, I realized it was the nurse who took care of my mother. And I said, Oh, she just started explaining the whole thing, what was going on. That this lady stole her place in line. She lost the line, place in line yesterday. This other friend says, Well, here, let me carry your baggage. She picks up her suitcase. She says, Boy, this one weighs, weighs a lot. She says, How much did your bag weigh that you put through the check? She said, Oh, 23 pounds. And this lady said, What about the other bag you're carrying? She said, What other bag? She says, the baggage, it's got all of your bitterness and anger and hatred in it. She says, if you don't get rid of that, it's going to ruin your whole trip. Why don't you just forget it, forgive the lady, and let it go? Or you're going to ruin your whole vacation. This lady said, I thought about that. I went into the gate area to wait on my plane so I sat down in the gate over there guess who was there the lady that was fighting for her place in line she said I got up and I went over to her and she said let me read it she says look I'm sorry I felt silly pushing my suitcase ahead of yours I really don't know who was right and it doesn't matter I'm sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable and the other lady had this relief just fled over her face. She says, oh, thank you. I felt silly too and wrong. Isn't it funny where God shows up? Because she said, at that moment, this passage came to my mind. If you're offering your gift at the altar, remember your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. 
and then come and offer your gift. I've learned to let go of the garbage of my life. When we live simply, we let go of the garbage of our life. So if I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live and Christ lives in me, thirdly, I can now submit to the will of God. It's tied, it's tied to acceptance. It's tied to simply, but it's, it means I can accept God's will. Sometimes the Lord has led me to places where he knows I will fail. Not sin, but he knows I'll fail. You say, why? Why would he do that? Because he's teaching me things about me and teaching me things about him. And that's more important than whether I succeed or not. See, we live in a culture you have to succeed, you have to win, you have to be a conqueror. And the biblical culture is, well, you have to lose. You have to die. You have to give away. You have to let go. And if we're going to be crucified with Christ and learn what it means to live for him, he gave his life as a sacrifice on a cross, and he calls us to live our lives as sacrifices too. And it's hard to be a living sacrifice, isn't it? It's hard to do that. But that's what he wants to do in your life and in my life. To show us how when we give up, we win. That biblical economy is so different than the economy we live in. If you want to gain, lose. Want to be first, be last, right? It makes no sense to us. It doesn't measure up in in how we think about things in our world. But that's okay. If God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways, your ways. As high as the heavens are by the earth, so much higher are my ways and your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, so shall be my ways and your ways. My word will accomplish what I, what I want it to. Hear that? You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to understand it. God didn't ask us to understand him. He, he asked us to obey him. I have learned in my life I will never have all the pieces of the puzzle God's trying to put together in the picture he's trying to get, get me to see. I've learned he'll show me four or five pieces of this 12,000-piece puzzle. Say, that's all you need. Trust me. You won't understand the picture anyway. Just trust me. Well, if I'm going to submit to his will, I trust him. If I'm in a boat in the water and God says, step out of the boat, I step out of the boat, right? That reminds me of a story. Can I tell a story? This Wesleyan pastor moves to a town, new town, and he loves to fish. And every morning, there's these two Baptist guys drive by his house with a boat, with fishing poles, and they're going fishing. You know, about five o'clock every morning. He says, man, I would sure love to go fishing with those guys sometime. Finally, one day he's out there and they're driving by and he kind of waves him down. He says, hi. He says, you know, I'm the new pastor of Western Church. He said, I'd love to go fishing with you guys. These Baptist pastors say, sure, come on. So he throws his tackle and off they go. 
And they get out in this lake, you know, and they're fishing away and they're catching a few. And these guys are, I mean, they're after two hours, three hours, four hours. That's about as long as the bladder can take. Well, pretty soon one of these Baptist guys says, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. And he steps out of the boat and walks on the water. And goes to the outhouse and comes back. And the Wesleyan pastor is what faith? And it's long before the other guy says, yeah, I've got to go too. And he gets out and he walks on the water too. It's like, ah, this Wesleyan guy's just blown away. Finally, at about five hours, you know, it's bladder busting time. He says, man, I've got to go. I've got to try this. He steps out and goes straight to the bottom. And the Baptist pastor nudges the other one and says, do you suppose we should have told him where the rocks were? I don't want that story to do with anything, but see if I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What I really discover in all this of acceptance and simplicity and submission, I discover the peace of God in my life, the shalom. It guards my heart and mind. Paul says in Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I like that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Then he didn't say rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going your way. He says rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to us. Now that's one I probably struggle with once in a while, being gentle in the midst of all these tough situations, right? When somebody steals your parking lot or your parking space in Walmart. I've got to be gentle with them. Do not be anxious about anything. Hear that? And by everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace, the shalom of God, will transcend all understanding and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, if I've done what we're talking about here, Catch this. If I've accepted myself and accepted what God's doing, if I live simply only for Jesus, if I've submitted my life to him, then this peace that passes all understanding will guard my heart and my heart and life in Christ Jesus because I don't get uptight, upset about anything. Hear me. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter who wins the, who wins the presidential election. I'm going to vote. I'm going to pray. But if God's in control, then you know what? I can trust him with whoever wins the election, right? Whether it's a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, or whoever. I don't have to get worked up about that because I have his peace in my heart and mind, Right? They can tell me the economy's going to collapse and everything's going to go belly up. It's all right. God's in control of that too. Because my life is about Jesus. Will it affect me? Yes, it'll affect me. Will I struggle? Probably struggle. But it's okay because Jesus is in control. Understand that? And I can, I can, take, I can walk into the darkness with his light and not let the darkness affect me. I can be holy 
in a world that's unholy because that unholiness no longer needs to affect me. You with me on this? Because it's not about Mike anymore. It's about Jesus living out of Mike. If it's raining the day I'm going to go golfing, praise God. I mean, really. Well, you don't golf. That's why you said that. I mean, Jesus is a good, my life's about Jesus. It's no longer about me and what I want and what I need and what I think I need and where I should be. It's all about following Jesus. If I lose my health, my job, my car, my house, I, will I struggle? Of course I'll struggle. Will I have pain? Probably. But deep down in my heart, I got the joy, 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 joy of Jesus. Remember that song? Old VBS song. Way before my time. You understand what I'm saying? Because Jesus is Lord of my life, and my life's about Jesus. It really simplifies things, doesn't it? It really does. Because I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. And the world will look at you and say, how can you live that way? And you just smile and say, it's because Jesus changed my life. Because he changed my heart. Because he came in and cleansed me of my sin. Because I'm part of the greatest miracle of all. And it's a gas. Blast? What is the word? Blast. You like a blast. Okay. Right? Yeah, ba- gas is our generation. Okay. It's groovy, man. Okay, you got it? So here we go. Acceptance. Right? Simplicity. Submission and peace. And it's a gas. Father, thank you. Help us to realize, Lord, how we can thrive in this. Help us to see the power, Lord, of walking out, truly believing we've been crucified with Jesus, that we no longer live, but he lives in us. And that living this life now, we live by faith in him who gave his life for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go with us now, Lord, as we go out into the week. May you guide us, be with us. Father, help us to celebrate you every minute of every day. In Jesus' name, amen.